We're going to take a look at a passage of scripture in Paul's letter to, uh, to the church in Ephesus. Um, we're going to study in that in just, in just a moment. Um, but I want to take you to a place that was possibly one of the most stimulating and um, beautiful moments in sporting history in the last few years. Uh, it was the 4th of August. Some of you are disturbed by the concept of beautiful moments in sporting history. But stay with me. It was the 4th of August 2012. And it was the height of the Summer Olympic Games in London. And there was a lake where the rowing uh, was being uh, rowed on uh, called Eton Dorney. And uh, there were four guys. Four British guys. One of them with a very, very posh name, Andy Triggs Hodge. Other, the others were almost certainly posh as well, but they didn't have such posh names. Their names were Tim Reed, Alex Gregory, and Tom Jones, not the Tom Jones, a different kind of Tom Jones. Uh, and, and, and they were the, the crew of the Coxless Four. And, uh, and they won the gold medal in six minutes, 3.97 seconds, and they smashed a load of records and they won the gold medal. And it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. I get really emotional in sporting occasions. Uh, it was very disturbing yesterday when I was watching the rugby because my kids now have learned when I'm watching the rugby that they hear these kind of guttural cries. Come on! As if I'm going to kind of rip someone apart. In the, I'm, I get involved in the whole thing. So I was, I was getting involved. I was getting emotional. I was getting... And I was standing. And I, was, I guess with millions of others as they, they got towards the end of winning the gold medal. But there was something really interesting. When the camera panned in on their faces, there was... The the kind of pain on their faces that you reserve for some kind of really bad medical condition. It's kind of grimace of, of, of men who were totally spent, who had given absolutely anything, who were, every sinew of their body was involved in getting this boat across the line. But then you looked at the water and it was perfectly still, rippled. Because they'd learned to row in rhythm. There is something about together that changes everything. Were there guys who were rowing in the Olympics who were stronger? Almost certainly. Were there guys who were bigger? I'm absolutely sure there were guys that were bigger. But there was something that had happened in four years of being together, of synchronicity, of aligning themselves, of team, of together. There is something about together that changes everything. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the beauty and power of one. And I want to talk about that from a passage of scripture where Paul is writing to a church in a place called Ephesus. He's writing to a church which are almost certainly where they are. They're going to become the most significant and important church in the world for about 300 years. So this is not an insignificant church. He's writing really significant things to a group of people he knows have incredible potential. They're going to plant churches. They're going to be the model church. People are going to look to them. And we're going to flip and read a book about them in 2,000 years later. This is how important it is. And he writes this stuff to the church. And he says, there is something about together that changes everything. Why don't we just read? And then we'll, I'll make a few comments, get provocative in a few places. And then we can pray together. That's how we roll. Okay, here we go. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul writes, 
He says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. That's kind of massive, isn't it? I want you to live worthy of what you've received. I want you to live worthy of Jesus. I want you to live worthy of his sacrifice, of his, of his grace, of his forgiveness. I want you to live as if that is true with the whole of your life. So be completely humble and gentle. That's easy, isn't it? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Listen, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all who is over all and through all and in all. Get the message. This is one. We're trying to be one, but to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And, and then Paul does this thing that he often does. He goes off on one. He basically goes off on a tangent because he gets excited. It's a bit like a preacher who just finds a rabbit hole to go down and goes, oh, this is amazing. And let me tell you about what it means and how it ascends. So we'll, we'll, we'll miss that out for the moment. And we'll go to verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Look at this. For, for this reason. Verse 12. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And here's, 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 here's the goal, verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I wonder what that looks like. Do you ever read the Bible and go, what does that look like? The whole measure of the fullness of Christ rammed in me. All of his compassion, all his grace, all his mercy, all his truth, all his love, all his stuff, all his power in me. That's the goal that we should be moving towards. The whole, the fullness of Jesus Christ. Then, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, that's you and me and everyone else who says they're a follower of Jesus, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself, in, uh, itself up in love as each part does its work. There's something about together that changes absolutely everything. So Paul's argument, let's get this really quickly down so that we understand what he's saying. He said, every single Christian... Every single follower of Jesus, there is a call on your life. Here's the call on your life. Verse 1, that you might live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. That's the call on your life. That's the call on my life. I'm supposed to live a life worthy of Jesus. I'm supposed to live a life that represents Jesus in such an incredible way because of what he has done for me and what I've got. That's the call of my life. And then he says, there's a goal in your life as well. There's not just a call, there's a goal. There's a call over here that starts it all. And there's a goal over here that completes it all, that finishes it all. And you'll find it in verse 13. Check it out. It says this, here's the call. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, it starts off with you have to live a life worthy. You have to walk properly. 
And it ends up with you looking like Jesus in all the fullness of Jesus and representing Jesus to everyone around you. It's a massive thing. You, you have to walk with Jesus and then you walk like Jesus. That, that, that's what's supposed to happen in my life and your life in the life of this community. I'm a, I'm a bit of a student of walks. I'm sure you've never done this, but I get fascinated by the way people walk. You have a fact, I, I, there, you know, I, I, there are some guys that just kind of, she's I'm a bloke and I'm walking. And, and then there, and then there are, then there's the, I, I'm not, this isn't planned at all, I don't know why I'm doing this. But, but then, and then there's the guys who kind of amble as if they've got nothing important in their life and they're always in front of you in some kind of queue, aren't they? They're always in the tube in London or they're in Prince's Street and you're going, trying to get round and you're trying to do the thing and then, and then there's the kind of, the, 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 the flustered, it's a slightly camp one as well. It's kind of flustered walk, I need, I need to get, but then there's the one that I love, I saw this the other day and I think it's true, so just check this out. There's, there's, there's the, the trip and then run walk. Everyone does it. You're walking along uneven pavements in Edinburgh. You trip up and then you, you kind of run as if you meant to trip up in the first place anyway. And you're just running along and tripping up. And, or is it just me? And then, there's, and then there's the Jesus walk. What does that look like? I tell you, it looks like confidence. It looks like power. It looks like humility. It looks like patience. It looks like security. Looks like gentleness. Looks like peace. And what Paul is saying, it's very complicated the way he says it, but what, if only I'd been there to help him write this, it would have been much simpler. He basically says, there is a call on everybody's life to live a life worthy, to walk with Jesus. Because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, there's the call. And then there is a, a goal in everybody's life to walk like Jesus. So that suddenly you, you've grown up to all the maturity of Jesus. He's, he's like, Pouring out of you in a way that you couldn't imagine. And, 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 and everything in between those two places, there is a secret to that. And it's called together. It's called, it's called together. You never move from here to here without together. You just can't do it. You can't move from there to there without community. You can't, you can't do it. You show me someone who's walked that walk, who's moved from here to here and is full of Jesus. I will show you someone who is meaningfully connected to the people of Jesus. It's just the way it is. I wish it wasn't that way because sometimes the people of Jesus really irritate me. But that's the reality of the call of God. Grow mature by growing together. The argument is very clear for those of you biblical scholars. The argument is very clear in this passage of scripture. Paul says this, although you have the life of the Trinity in you, the moment you say yes to Jesus, you get full of God. Do you know that? That's what it says. The Holy Spirit comes fills you with the, with the fullness of the Father, the fullness of the Son, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be, to be carriers of the presence of God. The moment that you get saved, that's what happens. Although you have the life of the Trinity in you, you will continue to live in immaturity until you live in unity. That's the argument of the passage. You, although you have the life of the Trinity and you continue to live in immaturity until you live in, in, in unity, you will be swept around by every wind of teaching. You'll be immature in the way you make decisions. You'll be immature in the way you, you use your character and the way your character develops because you haven't got this beautiful thing called together but if you get it 
If you, if, you, if you become mature by being together, then your marriage gets better. You better believe it does because the fullness of Jesus is in you and the fullness of his compassion, his understanding, his wisdom, his grace and his mercy is in you. Of course it gets better. And, and your parenting gets better because suddenly you understand the heart of God because you're full of the heart of, heart of God and your business gets better. Not because we have this prosperity gospel but because you just suddenly get the way Jesus would do this stuff. Because he's in you. And the only way you get from here to here is called together. That's why this is important. That's, that's why this is fundamentally important. So, so today I want to ask three questions. Which will be quite provocative, so forgive me before we go there. And, and before, we, before we ask the three questions, I'm going to make two um, apologies. You up for that? Apology number one is to those of you who've come today and you don't usually come to this church and uh, you think, what is this catwalk thing and, uh, and, and why is he prancing around? And, and, and I t- I'm, I'm going to make an apology and no apologies. I'm going to speak to the people who usually come to this church and I, I, unfortunately you just get to listen in and hear some of our dysfunctions. That's the first apology. The second apology is this. For those of you who usually come to this church and you would say this is family and you're thinking about all in, I'm going to make some assumptions. Here they are. Assumption number one, you're up for this. I'm going to speak as if you're totally up for this. I'm going to speak as if you're, going to, you're wanting to make this journey and just being, you desperately want to know how I make this journey. How do I make the journey from the call to the goal? And, and I'm going to assume that you want to, that you want to look more like Jesus and you want to pursue Jesus. So I'm going to say some things that might be a bit prickly. You okay with that? Yeah, not sure. Here's, here's, here's the question number one. The question number one is about responsibility. And the question is, are you willing to take responsibility? I mean, everybody, we, we, we believe this stuff that everybody gets to play in the kingdom of God. The moment that you receive Jesus, you get to play. You get gifts, you get, you get invited into the presence of God, invited into the purposes of God, and you get to play. But will you play? Is the question. Will you play? You get invited to be a covenant member of the community of God's people, but so many of us just want to be consumers. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you, you want to show up and say, well, I'll show up and I'm coming for what I get, not for what I can give, and feed me. Carl, will you feed me? And if you don't feed me, I'll write you an email. And, uh, and, 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 and will you look after my kids and will you disciple my teenagers? I want to abdicate responsibility for reading the Bible and for for making this journey for myself and I want to give it to you, that responsibility. I want to abdicate responsibility for being a a Jesus parent um, and and so I want to give it to the youth people and give it to the... No, 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 no. Will you take responsibility because this is the most significant walk you will make. From the call of Jesus to the goal of Jesus is the most significant thing that you can do, the most significant walk you can make, the most significant journey. But you have to take responsibility. That's why we have these, these things. We call it the rule of one. And, and some of you, when you come around the church and you say, well, Carl talks about the rule of one, and you think that sounds very legalistic. Why do we have to do that? I tell you why we have to do it. It's because it will help you get to your goal. So we talk about one gathering. We say, come, come to one gathering, pick one gathering, make it your family, make it your home, and come. i tell you why. Because we get to tell stories about the God. We get to worship Jesus with loads of people. We get to hear the word of God spoken. We get to feel encouraged, and it's really important. I grew up in a church family where you went three times on a Sunday. To be honest, a lot of it was really boring. 
And I used to hate bits of it. And we, there were lots of things on Sunday that we didn't do. We weren't allowed to do this. And we weren't allowed to have fun. And we weren't allowed to have life. Because the, the kind of idea implicitly was that God wasn't into all that kind of stuff. He's just into sermons and, and songs. And, uh, and I don't want you to get that message at all. But here's the deal. If, if, if you're a leader in the church, it feels like you can show up twice a month. And that's, that's a good thing. And then, but if you're committed in the life of the church, you can show up once a month. And that'll be, that'll be a good thing because you're busy and you've got lots of things to do. And I totally understand the world has changed. But let me, let me tell you this. I see young families bringing their kids up outside of the family of God's people. Because they're swayed by other things that are priorities than, than actually making this journey. And, and, and let, let me, little Johnny is brilliant at football. I love that little Johnny is brilliant at football. And I hope that little Johnny becomes an amazing footballer. But let me give you a prophetic word. Little Johnny is not going to be the next David Beckham. He's just going to become an overweight accountant who plays five-a-side on a Friday night. And, and what you do is you spend the whole of your time running him around the country, making sure he was at every practice and, and, and everything, and, and, and he was never around the people of God on a regular basis. And the family stopped being around the people of God on a regular basis. And then you wondered why you were not making the journey from here to here, and he was never making a journey from here to here. And I'm not saying don't play football, because football's amazing. But I am saying this is really beautiful and really important. Why would we not prioritize it and find a different way? To bring our kids up in the family of God's people. That's why we say one gathering. Not because we want lots of people here. If we wanted lots of people here, we wouldn't have planted four churches. That's why there are gaps all over the place. Because we're, we're saying we've got to go for this thing that God has called us to. So one gathering, one missional community, we say. And, and, and when we say that, people say, oh man, I can't find the perfect missional community. And if, if I joined it, it would become imperfect anyway because I'm not perfect and it's just awful. And, and then we say, well, I'd love to find one I can join or I, I don't want to start one. And really, I'm not really sure. I want people in my house and my kids have got exams and there are a stack of reasons. We're not saying join a missional community because we want to hurt your life. We're saying that if you want to make this journey from here, to hear you have to do it with mutual accountability and with community or you never will because everything in this world will rail against the Jesus life in you so you have to find people who call you out on things you have to find people who pray with you you have to find people who read the scriptures with you you have to find people who go on this journey with you so find a community or start a community or come and persuade us that what you're doing already is a missional community honestly I don't care but find a way to make this journey and that's why we say one serving opportunity one team not because we need more people to do welcome or to make tea and coffee although we probably do but because we know that if you learn to serve in the house of God, something will happen with your heart and with your life that will align you with the purposes of God. That's why we ask you to give, not because we need more money. I, honestly, we always need money, but I would find a way. I'm pretty ingenious about finding ways to find money. I would find a way to find money if people started, stopped to give money. But we need money because of what it does to your heart. When, when, you, when you stop holding things like this and you start opening things like this, when you start serving the people of God, you move with generosity and simplicity and stewardship and something happens to your heart that helps you make this journey towards the goal of Christ. And it's not because of how much money you put in, it's because of how much money you didn't hold like this. That's why we say give. 
because it will free your life. It'll free your life. And so the first question is this, why didn't you take responsibility? The second question is this, it's about gifting. Are you using your gifts? Are you using your gifts? The passage seems to suggest that, that Jesus, in his victory parade, gave gifts to his people. So you got a gift, and you got a gift, and you got a gift, and you got many gifts, and you got a plethora of gifts, and God gave gifts to everyone. And when you say, I haven't got any gifts, I say, biblically, that's nonsense. God gave you gifts, but he didn't give you gifts, so you go, all gifts, I've got gifts. According to the passage, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, some to be evangelists, some to be teachers. So that, so that they might equip the people for the works of service. So that we might serve people, so that we might encourage other people's gifts, so that all of us might make this collective journey from the call of Christ to the goal of Christ to looking like Christ. So what are your gifts? Everyone's a leader. The issue is, is just capacity and context. How many people, where do you lead? The moment you get full of God, you have to lead people. It's just how many people, where, to what destination. Some of you are brilliant at listening to people and others of you are brilliant at speaking. Usually those gifts are not aligned. So use the gift to help people move on this journey. Some people are really creative and love it and agree that Nikki won't thank me for this but yesterday we were, in, uh, we were back in Humby and uh, Nikki was out and I were out picking apples and it was just great and, uh, and, and then Nikki went out for, for a while and she was making this wreath for our, our front door and it's very beautiful but she didn't like the fact that I described when Esther asked what Nikki's been doing I said she's been playing with sticks for like an hour or so playing with sticks but there's something about the creative gift God has given that, that is for others to to evidence the beauty of it. Some of you are brilliant at making money. It's a gift of God. Go for it with all you've got. Some of you are brilliant at spending money. I'm not sure that's a gift of God, but, <laughs> but it might be. It might be. He might, he might totally love that. Just whatever it is, leverage the gift of God so that you might help other people move on this journey and other people might help other people move on this journey so that we all might move towards unity. And the knowledge of God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Use your gift. Don't sit on your gift. Final question. Final question is this. It's about community. Are you willing to fight for it? Are you willing to fight for community? I tell you why you have to fight for it. Because everything in this world which is bent on individualism will rail against community. It's your rights. You should do what you want to do any old time. You need to be free. And everything in, in, in our world will rail against you preferring somebody else, you giving to somebody else, you blessing somebody else, everything. So you have to fight for community. And I tell you what rises up in me, just in case it rises up in you as well. What rises up in me is, I want to build community, but I want to build community the way I want to build community. Do you know what I mean? I want to have a community, but I want community full of people like me, you know, beautiful, uh, non-complicated people. 
<laughs> you know, I, want, I want the people that I want to be in and around my community that don't complicate my life, that come when I want them to come, that go when I want them to go, that help me do the things that I want to do. I don't know if that's like you at all. I'm sure it isn't. But to be honest, that's the kind of community I want. And, and, and the, the problem is that's not Jesus' community, is it? I mean, just check out Jesus' community. Jesus' um, best mates were an ex-terrorist called Simon. Uh, um, a guy who was frequently wrong but never in doubt and usually awkward in company called Peter. Two, two brothers who had anger issues and you never knew when they were going to blow up. That's why they were called Sons of Thunder, James and John. Um, a guy who doubted Jesus, which is weird. Why do you bring people into the community who kind of doubt the whole, the whole stuff? Um, and uh, Thaddeus, who no one knows what he did or why he was there, really. And, and then Judas, who wasn't very good with the money um, and, and had some kind of issues in other ways as well and, and this, was, this was his gang, this was his community and so if you want to make this journey from here to here, bring on the weirdos and the geeks and the freaks bring them on bring on the old and the young not just the people like you bring on the clowns and the secure ones and the insecure ones bring on the black ones and the white ones and every shade in between ones Bring on the gay and the straight and every shade beyond and, be, and above and, and through that stuff. Bring, bring them on because that's Jesus' community. These are kind of Jesus' people. Bring on the people who will agree with you and the people who will not agree with you. Bring on the yes people and the no people, the stay people and the go people. Bring them on. Bring them on. Bring on the prophets and the poets and the prayers and the pioneers. Bring them on because this is the beautiful community of Jesus. These are the people who make up the community of Jesus that help us move towards the goal of the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I would love it if I could create a community just look like me, but it would be pretty dysfunctional. But I'm called to create and build and foster a beautiful and messy and complex community where we have a whole bunch of questions and issues. And, and here's the thing, I'm not, asking, I'm not asking these questions for central sake. Honestly, if I'm really honest, central is not top of my agenda. I'm asking them for your sake because you have a call in your life and you have a goal for your life and you have to get from one to the other and together is so important. I meet people a lot of the time recently because of the way the world is who say they've got a faith issue. They've got a faith challenge and their, their faith is all over the place. And, and what I discover very quickly is they actually haven't got a faith issue, they've got a together issue, which is causing a faith issue. Because <laughs> they absented themselves from this and they absented themselves from community, they absented themselves from accountability. They found a bunch of ways to do it and then they say, I'm not really sure I believe in God anymore, I believe these things anymore. And I'm saying to them, you may have a faith issue but it stems from a together issue. Let me show you how you walk on this journey. We have to find a way to do this. How do you start? I haven't got a very long time, but, but verse 2 tells you how you start. Here we go. He says, here is the call, live a life worthy. How do you live a life worthy? Be completely humble. <laughs> be totally gentle. Be, be fully patient. Bear with one another. Implication, there are going to be people that wind you up, make you want to smack them on the nose, 
make you want to walk out. There are going to be people who are not like you. They smell different to you. They don't have your values at times and uh, they bring their kids up differently and they speak differently and they act differently and uh, bear with one another in love and you will end up walking towards the goal and you will end up beautiful and you'll end up looking like Jesus. Wow. And you know, here's, here's the thing as we close. I just want to, I don't know if this will upset people, but I want to call out some people here that I see. I see some of you here, some of you not here, ironically. I, I see some of you here who gather and I see this in you. I see the call of God in you. I see you trying to live a life worthy and I see, I see the goal of God in you. I see the fullness of God in you. And I see the way that you're doing community and fighting for community. And it's a totally beautiful thing and we don't talk about these things often enough. So I want to I encourage you in these things. Do you know, encouragement is so important. This is off script, but encouragement is so important because every, every attack you get in your life is very specific. You are rubbish. You did this. You didn't do this. You, you, you can't do this. You'll never do this. It's very specific, the attacks you get in your life. So encouragement that is specific and laser-like is really important. If I say to you, I think you're amazing, you're doing a great job, that is totally useless. Because the, 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 the disappointments and the attack that you get is very laser-like and you remember it and it scars your heart. So what I want to do is I want to tell you some stories of some people who, who are making this journey and how it's blessing my life and how it's building community. And the danger is this, that your name will not be read out and you'll go, hmm, doesn't care about me very much. Let's get over that. Because God sees you and you know you. Let me tell you about Farshid. Farshid's sitting over there. You don't have to turn around and look at him. Farshid is one of the most faithful people that I know. He loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. There could be many times in his, his journey over the last 10 years where he could have walked away because it, the church that was being built was not the church that he grew up in. But he didn't do that. And, and, and at an Asian stage, if you won't mind me saying, when he would be totally forgiven of putting his feet up and saying, I've run really hard and now I'm just waiting for Jesus. He's at the heart of planting a church for Farsi believers. I have no idea how old you are. You look about 50, but I think you're a bit older than that. But he's saying, you know, what is, what's actually going on there is he's saying, I've got the call of God on my life to live a life worthy. I'm not going to finish until I, I have, I've got to the goal to look like Jesus. That's far shit. I don't know if Neil Costley is here. Probably, possibly isn't. But I don't know if you know about Neil, but Neil with a very young family. So I've got the call of God on my life and I, the goal of God in my life is to, is to look like fullness. And so he, he took on this thing called PowerPoint and he, and he went for it and a thousand young people come every six weeks to worship Jesus because he knew what it meant to do the together thing, to build a team and to take people on that journey. And we honor that because he's walking the walk. Let me tell you about Johnny and Sheena. They will hate me for telling, saying this. Johnny and Sheena. Johnny and Sheena uh, at an age and a stage exactly the same as Farshid when they could be totally forgiven for putting their feet up and looking after their grandkids because they've run hard and they've walked hard for Jesus. Said, you know, we're not going to do that. We're going to take a portion of our farm. We're going to buy 12,000 hens. Who does that? We've got 10. They're crazy things. And and we're going to buy 12,000 hens and we're going to invite the excluded kids of our communities who can't stay in school because they have issues and they get violent or or, or they're they're excluded and we're going to invite them around and we're going to share something of the person of Jesus because together, and they build a team so together we're going to do 
that. Let me tell you about, uh, let me tell you about Thomas and Claudia and Aaron and Amy and, and, and Freddie and Jack and all the people around those communities who are trying to plant church. You know, are they all going to work brilliantly? I have absolutely no idea. We're going to set themselves up to do so. But what I'm excited about, it is really cool to believe passionately amongst, about the poor people and, and care for them. It's really cool to have that agenda in your heart. Because it's Jesus' agenda, isn't it? It's a really cool thing to care for justice and righteousness, but it's an altogether another thing to not just be a pajama missionary. <laughs> so I'm going to go. I'm going to live there. I'm going to give up whatever else I might have done. And I'm going to. I'm going to go do it, and I'm going to have a go. Why? Because God's placed a call in their life to live a life worthy. Because there is a goal in their life to look like Jesus. <laughs> And because somehow they've got to walk this journey together with God. Let me tell you about Ian and Pam. They won't thank me for that either. Ian and Pam are an incredible couple. Pam's been an elder for forever in, in the life of our church. But uh, they have an amazing house. And if you go to their house, you go, that's an amazing house, but they use their house. I can't tell you the amount of people who've lived in their house. Some of them have been well behaved, some of them haven't. You know, and then they still open their house in hospitality and care for people because call in their life, goal in their life, we're going to find a way to do this thing. Let me tell you about Brian and Vicky. Brian, Brian and Vicky, and there are loads of people we could talk about. Brian and Vicky uh, decided when we started talking about missional communities that they wanted to do a surf community in Scotland. Because that's a clever thing to do, isn't it? I mean, who would ever join them? And they, they came to me and said, well, I know this is partly about evangelism, but we're not evangelists. We'll probably never see anybody saved. But they got a hold of this camper van, really cool, split screen, and they used it as a sacred space, and they parked it on the beach. And you know what happened? People started getting saved and coming to know Jesus. Not because these guys were just amazing at the chat, just because they opened their hearts, they opened their life, so there's a call on my life, there's a goal for my life, and we're going to make space for what God is going to do. Right now, they're worshiping in Dumbo bar because they move there and they're trying to help plant a church there do you know let me tell you about crystal crystal is an american girl that's come around this church she runs 24 7 prayer in scotland and she has given her life to prayer not because it makes any sense to anybody else but because it makes sense to the call god's placed on her life and the goal that she's moving towards Guys, there is a call and there is a goal and everything in between is called together. There's a call and there's a goal and everything in between is called together. 12, uh, 12 years ago, Nikki and I started hearing about a church called Morningside Baptist Church that we, uh, we really didn't want to come to. Um, but God was insistent and we ended up here and and you know, you know some of the story and God has done this and more than this and there are these churches that have been planted and there are all these communities that are happening and, and, and God's got so much more for us. But it only happens together. You show me someone who's making that journey and I'll show you someone who's meaningfully connected. These guys are all in. How about you? Let me pray for us. And, uh, and then 
I'll try and explain what's about to happen. <laughs> 